Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another podcast, and thank you so much for sharing. Mary Danielson, good morning, sister. Good morning. Yeah, we, she had her coffee this morning. I so did. Oh, she, man. You be forewarned. You'll all be so glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, uh, we are going to jump into doctrine today, talk about some biblical issues, and we are going to really focus eventually on 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I just want to read a little bit, bit of that before we bring in T.A. McMahon of the Berean Call. Paul writes, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And T.A. McMahon is our guest, president, executive director of the Berean Call Ministry, and uh, author of a lot of books, co-author of a lot of great books. And I've got one from uh, the uh, co-founder of the Berean Call, Dave Hunt. Got that right in my hand from the 90s occult invasion. Uh, T.A., welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Hey, it's a, it's a thrill for me to be with you guys. But I have to start off with this. I love the title of your program. Seems to me it might sound like something that Jude wrote. We are to earnestly contend, earnestly contend for the faith. Amen. Okay. I love that, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Once for all. Yeah. Oh, I, want to, I want to let Mayor chime in here because she's got a little uh, testimony or history of the Brian call and how she found out about you guys and how you ministered to her way before you guys even met. Yeah. So let's, let's mm-hmm. uh, hear that before we get into the topic. Uh, we go way back. I, you know, um, when I had first gotten saved in the early 80s, I was told by people in leadership, some very wise counsel, and that was, do not pick up any other book but the Bible for the first two years. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm taking them up on that. And there weren't even a lot of books at the time. Um, you know, bookstores still had a lot of Bibles and, you know, Dave Hunt before they kicked him out of the bookstores. But anyway, and I, I, so I took that very seriously. And after a couple of years, I, the one book laying around the church was The Seduction of Christianity. Mm. So I picked that up and I read it cover to cover. And the thing that struck me the most, being a new believer, not knowing a whole lot, but just really in love with Jesus, I thought, what do you mean there are enemies of the gospel? What do you mean that things are going to creep in that are not sound or solid? And I felt the Lord working in my life almost immediately and and to begin to understand what it meant to contend for the faith, that there's Mm -hmm. something worth living and dying for. And that was kind of new to me because I was really sheltered in my little baby Mm -hmm. Christian bubble, you know. But uh, Seduction of Christianity just lit a fire under me and... uh, when the newsletter came out, what what year was that, T.A., that the newsletter came started? Well, um, it was probably 90, 92, right okay. in there. As, you know, the Berean Call has been, uh, been on, going on for about 30 years. So. Wow. Oh, yeah. So in 1985 was when The Seduction of Christianity came Isn't out? Isn't that when, when that book came out around then? 
85, yeah, I think? I, yeah, I believe so. Now, remember, you're talking to an old dude. So <laughs> memory. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, I was... I, I want to I mention this, because it, it, it's really based on what you said, Mary. Um, you know, the, the seduction of Christianity uh, sold close to a million copies, and I believe for the wrong reasons, hmm. although I'm happy about that. But So what were the wrong reasons? Well, Mary... Um, you know, you were given good counsel. Okay, you know, start with the Bible, get into the Bible. You know, that's that's your authority. That that's you know, that, that's correct. However, um, the reason the one of the reasons that the seduction of Christianity did that well is because pastors told their congregations not to read the book. Okay, <laughs> so that was one. You know, that, that's a marketing deal, wow. which we had nothing to do with, except writing the book. <laughs> but the other thing was, um, it wasn't just don't read the book, but it was one of the first uh, Christian books by a major Christian publisher in which we name names. Mm. Uh-oh. The, re- I see. The, the reason we had to do that, I mean, it was not a judgmental thing. Mm-hmm. It was a corrective thing. Hey, guys, and if you're going to say somebody's teaching this or somebody's teaching that, you have to document it. You have to put it in the, you know, in the footnotes and so on. Mm-hmm. So, um, but just the idea, oh, who do they name? Oh, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Like I said, in a sense, the wrong reasons, but in, in another sense, it, it got the book out there. So, Yeah, well, that's very interesting. But, you know, when people write a public work like that, um, they're putting their what they believe in, 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 out there for us to be Bereans, hence yes. the name Berean Call. Um, you know, right. they, these were the noble people who looked things up. Well, Paul mentioned some names. I think of Demas as one of them. Uh, he mentioned a lot of names, and uh, you know, Jesus spoke directly to the Pharisees in so many different ways about them yeah. go f- abandoning doctrine for their own traditions or man-made doctrines. But let's go back to the establishment of the Berean call, T.A. Um, you know, we know what Bereans are from the Book of Acts. So, share a little bit about that. I mean, was that an easy? Uh, okay, this is we. This is we. This is going to be what we are going to follow. And when yeah. you started the the ministry, and it, it had to, it had to be uh, it, it had to be a book related to what the Lord put on on both our hearts. In, in this sense, um, you know, we see things going on, and you know whether it be Jude, whether it be you know Second Peter, we, you know we see it through the scriptures. We see corrections and so on. For example, in Acts twenty, you know Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he says, you know, after my departing, savage wolves are going to come in manner to, to draw away disciples after themselves. Mm. So we see this going on in, today in the church. I mean, it, it's, it's just indescribable, as you guys well know. So when Dave and I um, did the seduction of Christianity, we pulled back and we say, wait a minute, Tom, we have to keep or we want to keep in contact with the people who have been ministered to by this book. So then that's when we began uh, the Berean Call. Hmm. Now, the, where I fit in, sometimes I wonder, where do I fit in? <laughs> I mean, Dave was, you know, I mean, just a, a, just a wonderful man of God. And, and that's, you know, I, I hang out with him for 40 years, and that's the main reason, because he was the most godly man that I knew. Okay, so we wanted to keep in contact with people, and we wanted to minister to them, and my calling was to help do Dave do what God had called him to do, and that is stay home, write, and go out and speak. Mm. So the brain call for 30 years, um, 
you know, I don't want to say it was in my lap because, or on my shoulders, because I, I can't handle anything on my shoulders. But by the grace of God, we have grown into a, uh, you know, believe it or not, at the uh, at the beginning of the Marine call back in the 90s, we, we in a sense, we were the new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I look in the mirror and I say, Tom, you're an old dude. So <laughs> the, the point is, is that in one sense, we become the established not the only one. I mean, there are so many other ministries out there involved in apologetics that, that really bless us. But basically, we're the old guard. I go mm-hmm. to conferences. You know, Mayor, you know, I come to Appleton. I'm the oldest dude there. <laughs> I mean, I can't even believe that. But, it's you know, that's the case. So, nevertheless, um, that's the, the background. That's the perspective. That's what God has called us to do. And by His grace, by His Holy Spirit, we've been... Very productive, uh, definitely controversial, but not mm-hmm. because of, you know, our personalities or anything like that, um, but yeah. because we point to the truth, Amen. speaking the truth in love. Yes. Uh, uh, so that's our calling, and certainly Dave was, you know, I mean, he was, the to me, you know, in my relationship with him, he was a leader in, in mm-hmm. so much of this, and I learned so much from yeah, him. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. brilliant. Uh, you mentioned, yeah. T.A., the verse in Acts 20, uh, after my departing, grievous wolves shall enter in among you. Uh, you know, so right. there's a, a clue that the, there's going to be serious trouble, uh, wolves eating sheep, you know, three times a day, not sparing the flock. Of your own yeah. selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. Why? To draw disciples uh, mm-hmm. after themselves. And I know a lot of seduction was about psychology and this sort of thing. And I want, I want, right. it's all about I, me, my. And this is, you know, this verse is also uh, gives us, and it shines a little extra light on what this is going to look like in the last nice days, these greedy, destructive people speaking perverse things. Why? So they can have a following. I'm, there's mm-hmm. just no good news there, you know, but it caused mm-hmm. Paul to, to um, just be beside himself day and night, warning people with tears. You know, um, as you mentioned that, um, you know, Dave's been home with the Lord since <clears throat> 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm not into necromancy, okay, but, you know, which is contact with the dead. Nevertheless, if I had a conversation with Dave now and I tried <laughs> to describe oh, to him what sure. is going on. Oh, boy. I mean, I could see him in heaven saying, no, no, oh, no. <laughs> you know, because it's. It's indescribable. It is. You, you can't explain it any way except in Thessalonians where it says, those who have not a love for the truth, God himself will send strong delusion. Mm. If we're not in strong delusion, you know, then we've mm-hmm. got to redefine that term because it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, 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 even back then, you know, Paul, when Paul was writing, and even Jude, I think, and Peter, you know, they, they all warned. In fact, um, Peter warned that, Mockers will come, and Jude says they're here. In fact, they've crept in. They're they're in the churches. They've been with us, but and then John writes they were not of us. Just your thoughts on that progression? We already had that two thousand years ago. As much as some people are surprised, really, that uh, there are false teachers in today's churches. I'm going, wow. Uh, let's try to keep up here. Well, this goes back to you know, as I talked to Mary and and, and you to to agree, David. Um, the verse, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, let's just pick that apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to endure sound doctrine when you're not reading the Bible. Let's let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not enduring sound doctrine mm-hmm. because you've lost sight, if you ever knew, the fact that this is God's Word. This is not man's Word, okay? 
Uh, part of the problem as we get through this verse is man keeps adding stuff to it, and you know, so on and so forth. No, this is the Word of God, and if we don't deal with it from that perspective, well, as it says, you know, again in Hebrews, uh, therefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, talking about the Word of God, lest at any time we should slip. We should let them slip. There's no slipping going on today. It's an avalanche. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, anyway, that's that's my perspective. Mm-hmm. you got to wonder why, you know, people go to church for various reasons. And these days, sometimes, I guess, I wish I could get them in a room and say, what are you here for if not, you know, to leave behind the lies and deception of the world and to pursue truth and righteousness? But mm. then the word says they will turn their ears away on purpose. They stop up right. their ears. They They can't even endure the thought of enduring. I mean... <laughs> it's it just it just I just can't believe it because of of all the great teaching I've had for so many years and I this makes me scratch my head why would they consciously turn stop up their own ears put their earplugs in I don't understand that yeah well th- there's no doubt there are those out there but uh, my my big great frustration in being involved in apologetics for forty years is it's a slipping away mm. it, it, it is um, you know for example. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm into bumper stickers, and I make them up myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that, that and I call it um, the church, is into biblical horseshoes. Biblical horseshoes. Now, think about that for a second. What about the game of horseshoes? Do you have to score a ringer every time in order to get points? No. You just have to get close to it. Well, you don't do that with the Word of God. If you're into biblical horseshoes, if close enough is not good enough, because we're talking about the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the slipping away, that's the, you know, it may begin slowly, but basically they are not enduring sound doctrine. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you went to the other part about their itching ears and so on. But the way it ends is, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, a turn away, slip away, but we also have people behind these, you know, many yes. so-called leaders within, whether you call it evangelical church or many aspects of the church, the charismatic movement, whatever it might be, if, if that's what's going on, they are drifting away. They are turning away from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to give some examples of that, that... Uh, it's hard to say they're shocking, but they—they're worse than shocking. Not they're anymore. overwhelming. However, you know, we speak the word of God. We speak the word, you know, in love and truth. But we have to contend for the faith once and for all, delivered unto the saints, as we referred to earlier. I think of um, when there's—he's describing they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. I, I immediately I thought about the emergent church in our lifetimes. That that happened, you know, in the 80s. And I remember in 1989, I was out living out in Southern California. And I was going to a Christian church, and we were, I, I think we were watching a video of Tony Campolo, who, okay. who, who was very entertaining, and it made us laugh a lot. But there's not a lot of depth there. But we, we know now that kind of a pro, his approach, the charismatic, funny, boisterous, uh, but the idea, the social justice aspect of what he brought in was poison, but he used entertainment yeah. to do it. And boy, did we see that pattern followed, didn't we, Dave, uh, right. T.A.? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, 
the the thing that really frustrates me more than anything is that we've turned away from the objective truth of God's word. I mean, it's right there. It's his word. It's not man's word and so on. So there's the objective truth of God's word. But we've moved into this whole realm. Once you begin to slip away from that, you get into whether you call it mysticism, subjectivism, ideas. That, that's why I you know, use the analogy of biblical horseshoes. You don't need to get a ringer. You just need to be close. If it seems like, if it sounds like, if it looks like it's biblical, people buy into it mm -hmm. because they're, whether it be through an entertaining way of approaching it or whether you're, it's just a feel-good kind of thing, that's what people are attracted to and drawn to. Mm -hmm. right. But it's, I mean, it's deadly yeah. because it has gotten us away from the Word of God, but it's being replaced with a very subjective, experiential, feelings-oriented, emotionally-oriented, and so on. You know, um, I mean, some of my heroes, you know, you know, in the faith are women of God. Uh, David, you got one with you right there. Let me tell you, <laughs> I know. But, but I'm serious. I mean, you know. So, on the one hand, on the other hand, when you see other women leaders, whether it be Beth Moore or um, I mean, I could go go down a list of these yep. these women for you. They're they're adding to God's word through very subjective things, mm -hmm. feelings. You know, for example, um, Beth Moore talks about our conversations continually with God. We have we have uh, Sarah Young and God calling. We have these who are telling us that they're in continual communication with God. Mm -hmm. No, no. I mean, come on. Uh, Beth Moore says that God calls her babe and honey, and you know, or Jesus does, yeah. and so no. Yeah. This may have a sense uh, of biblical Christianity, but it's it's that's just far removed. But it's slipping and avalanching down through through the church. I mean, it's a it's a heartbreak for me. It's a romanticizing of Jesus or God or the gospel, yeah. and we're we're yeah. going to get into that. We got to take a break in two minutes, but we are going to get into that. Mary, I just wanted you to yeah, you know, yeah. You know when you think about the heaps of teachers and and everything that's out there, and 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 heaps. I'm not heaps heaps of teachers <laughs> heaps of teachers. Wow, um, <laughs> you know, and and uh, you're supposed to. What I noticed is the more years went on and we had more teachers, the less teachable people actually became. You mm. could no longer say, yeah. well, that's false teaching. You need to stay away from that. They would think, well. You're, you're judging. You're judging. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that. And, and yeah. but, but yet it says reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Mm. That suggests there's an authority of, of maintaining sound doctrine, but yet we have people who are less interested in it than ever before. The people all of a sudden became very unteachable and um, yeah. came to be believers. Well, yeah, Mary, that's a good question. I'll finish up with this before our break. Um, if uh, you're turning to anybody, you know, I, I don't care if it's Dave Hunt or Bill McDonald or people that I have love and respect and so on, but if you're turning to them for your truth, they have become your authority. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, let's, you know, so I mentioned two guys that, that I really love and respect. But moving down the line, if I'm into this person or that person or something like that, I mean, how many times have I, somebody said, well, I'm in a Bible study. I said, great, what Bible are you going to? Well, it's a book by Beth Moore. It's a book by uh, Sarah Young. <laughs> no, no, it's the Word of God. Mm. It's got to be the Word of God. And if I'm moving away from that, I'm moving away from the truth, the mm -hmm. truth, and that's, goes back to our verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, which we'll get back to. Yeah, we will continue with that. Our guest is T.A. McMahon, the Berean Call. 
John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. And uh, many churches that profess to be Bible-believing fellowships do not live up to their claims. Those aren't my words. T.A. McMahon said that. We're going to ask him what he means by that. We'll talk about Christian bookstores and even worship music and sound doctrine. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. The website is TheBereanCall.org, and we've talked a little bit about the seduction of Christianity. There's a DVD there, and you get so much more information and so much more to equip yourself. But I want to go back to something, uh, T.A., that Mare said to, to start off the podcast when she was talking about when she first became a believer, she stuck with the Bible for two years. But even at that time, and I remember when I was living out west, you could go to a Christian bookstore and you could find a lot of really helpful resources, and whether that be apologetics or other areas. And it wasn't too long, I'm sure you can you know, comment on this, that you started seeing some positive thinking or this, this other kind of the, just the feel-good philosophies of the world slip into the Christian stores. And it wasn't the, they kind of removed the depth of things and it got away from doctrine and started getting to worldly principles and ideas, maybe philosophies. And now we see that in so many places. So your take on that has impacted a lot of believers because they bought anything in a Christian store thinking, well, it's Christian, but we've got to be more discerning than that, don't we? Yeah, that's why I absolutely, I absolutely love how you started it. But I, I, will, I will add to it a bit. When you were told for the first couple of years, just read the Bible. And uh, I would almost say at this point in time, Never mind just the first couple of years. Every day, just <laughs> read the Bible. Yeah. Now, I, I, I adjust that slightly by, yes, but what does the Bible say? Well, we need to Bereans. We need to search the Scriptures to see if I'm looking for other source. I don't care if it's Dave Hunt or, you know, pick, pick out one of your favorite authors and so on. Dave Hunt cannot be your authority, or your favorite teacher cannot be your authority. It's the Word of God. And how do we know whether somebody, you know, if we look to somebody else just to get, maybe get some insights, how do we know they're speaking according to the Word? Well, mm -hmm. simply, as a Berean, we search the Scriptures to see if the person can give me chapter and verse and or take make sure that it's in context and so on. But, but what I'm getting at here is it's become very clear to me it's the Word of God, and if you're not, if that isn't your heart, if that isn't your desire, if that isn't where you are truly learning and maturing, mm. then you've slipped off into yeah. something else. You put your emphasis on somebody else. So if that's the case, then guess what? The Bible's no longer your authority. Somebody else is. And, mm -hmm. which is even worse today, it's no longer sufficient. Wow. Well. Is it sufficient? I mean, come on. It, yes. it says over and over again, all things that pertain to life and godliness. God yeah. has given us everything that we need, including his Holy Spirit, to help us understand these things. Amen. Yeah. 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 I can look to a teacher. Um, but again, I'm going to check that teacher. I mean, how many times, Mayor, have you ever, when Dave's speaking at Appleton or you know wherever it might, wherever you see him or hear him, he always says, hey, check me out. Mm -hmm. Don't go just by what don't I say. Don't take my word that, for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's where we got to get back to. And if we're not, we're slipping. 
Yeah, and yeah, and even works. even even reading the Bible. I mean, not to heap on top of all this, but Bibles have changed too. Because how many versions? Oh my goodness! And they appeal to well. Here's the youth. You're, you're opening up the, a can here. I know big worms <laughs> everywhere. Translations, translations. Well, translations and versions. Basically, this is the youth Bible. This is the women's Bible. This is the yeah. Uh, you know, and so they have an emphasis. And you know, the other thing is, uh, many Bibles they have a little scripture on the page, and then commentary fills the rest <laughs> of the page. Yes. And so when a younger believer comes up to yeah. me and says, oh, help me pick out a Bible. I open them all up because I'm looking for one that's mm. just the Bible because yeah. I explain to them that commentary is what God showed someone else. So basically, yeah. there, you can use commentaries, of yes. course, but you want to read the Bible first and take it apart and yeah. you know, uh, do some word studies and stuff. And then once you... I've heard from the Lord. So it's a slippery slope even to just open a Bible. And I, yes, there are worms everywhere. And, yes, and, oh my but goodness. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> By the way, friends, it, do not call the message a Bible yeah. translation. Well, message. It is not a Bible translation. No. It's a paraphrase. I, I, we strongly advise here you get rid of that if you have the message. Yeah. But I want to get your thoughts on that, T.A. Oh, wait, Dave, can I just put something in? Because, uh, again, my, my age, my thoughts. Um, <laughs> look, um, the, the Word of God has got to be just that, and, and you have to get into it from that perspective. And there are other things out there that, that can, you know, you know you've got to be discerning, you've got to be a Berean. But, but here's the thing. Um, guys, you want to take notes about this. I, I just solved this whole problem, okay? The last, uh, the December newsletter for the Berean Call, the title of it is How to Bible Study, mm-hmm. okay? How mm-hmm. to Bible Study. And we've gotten so far away from that, even in our, you know, our get-togethers. I mean, I love Bible studies. It's a group thing. It's not a teaching thing. You know, I've been in Bible studies with Dave Hunt, and sometimes I never heard two or three words from him, because it is a group thing. It's not a teacher. It's not a class and something like that. It's a group of people coming together, looking to the Holy Spirit, but reading through the Word, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line, and so on. And it's a wonderful experience, but not if we turn it into something that it's not. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I know my perspective is not the only perspective out there, but but the title is How to mm-hmm. Bible Study. And I just give you my thoughts for 40 years and in, in doing basically the same thing. We already have that linked in today's. And I have it in front of yeah, me. It's here. going to, in today's podcast at standupforthetruth.com, how yes. to Bible okay. study. And I appreciate you using Webster's 1828 dictionary. Oh, and man. there's so much more in there, but Mary has something to comment. Well, she's got it right in front of her. I do. I do. And as much as I love, you know, the Sunday corporate worship and, you know, fellowship and building up uh, one another, my best memories of being a younger believer because we promoted home Bible studies during the week. So don't just go Sunday morning where you get mm-hmm. taught by a pastor teacher who is gifted as such, but get together with people. And the memories are so wonderful because we would, oh. it wasn't the serendipity thing. Well, what do you think it means? Oh, I don't know. What do you think it means? It really was. What does this mean to you? Yeah, what does this mean to Horrible you? Horrible question to ask. <laughs> Which is maybe what right. Bible studies are these days. But yeah. I know what you're saying, T.A., and that is you get together with like-minded people and learn yeah. and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you collectively. I, I love that. Yeah, you know, somebody said in the Bible studies that I'm involved in, and I'm involved in quite a few, somebody said, well, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, you would hear cat calls, you would hear whistles. We, we don't care how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, no, we don't care. You know, this is God's Word. What is He saying here? Right, right. Well, I don't want to move on until we address what you just said. How do we feel about something and that would be worship music. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about doctrine. Yep. Let's talk about sound theology in 
I, I miss the hymns, uh, T.A. I really miss a lot of the hymns. We don't do them as much in the modern church anymore, in the American church. And I would love to get your encouragement and admonishments for some churches, worship leaders, and even pastors to pay more attention. More Aren't we supposed to watch our doctrine closely? Mm-hmm. What about what we sing for a half hour before the Word of God is presented on a Sunday morning? Please share your thoughts on that. Well, uh, let me give you my qualifications here. I'm tone deaf. I got uh, thrown out of St. Mary's uh, choir when my voice changed. Okay. That's sad. <laughs> I, within, I make a joyful noise within my heart. Okay, now, That's biblical. Um, here, here's an indicator to me. If I'm listening to the words, wait a minute, is this about the Lord or is this about self? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Good one question. major thing. Because obviously, uh, um, much, I'll just say much of contemporary music is self-oriented. Yes. I mean, we went through from the, from the 80s, maybe even the early 70s, the 80s, we went through the, all through the self-love, self-esteem, self-worth stuff, which is antithetical to the Word of God. It's just, but that, those things are still out there. And, you know, a, a composer of contemporary music, you know, may have these ideas in his head, and we just need to be, be discerning. There are some things that, um, you know, I, I, I like to question. Uh, I, I'm a little annoying to even our worship team, but they love me. <laughs> so, so, but I like to ask questions. For example, you know, sometimes we sing one of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I say, well, wait a minute. Uh, could you kind of explain to me? You know, I'm talking about the Psalm that says, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Mm-hmm. Now, David could sing that. Right. Because the Holy Spirit didn't indwell him. He wasn't mm. sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay, but doctrinally, um, he, he, doctrinally, he was not sealed with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit could leave him and then come back. And we, we have that throughout the scriptures. Mm. Not for us. Yeah. Not today. Now, it may seem like a little point, but the point is that hymns teach doctrine. They either teach mm-hmm. true doctrine, consistent with the Word of God, or false teachings, false ideas, feelings-oriented stuff, and so on. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, it, there's nothing better than to have, um, you know, a worship team or, or you know, group. We have we have three or four of them that, that t- take turns and so on, and they're terrific, you know. Um, of course, there's a guy sitting in their congregation who's annoying sometimes. So maybe they're thinking about him. I think his name is a TA something. I don't, I don't know. But he's a, he's a can be a annoying kid. So anyway, David, that's that's my short mm. take on um, worship music. I know it goes south. I know it. But on the other hand, it can bless us. Well, of course. Incredibly. Yes. Yeah. Yes, music. And, and I, I thought when you were explaining that at the, at the beginning and how a lot of worship today is me-oriented, it's toward us. It's not about God and Jesus. It doesn't yeah. point to him. It, it's like how, how, how much he's done for us or he's doing for us in our lives now. I think of Keith Green and the song Asleep, um, what was it, Asleep in the Light, when he said, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, you know, it's all I ever hear. And I'm thinking, wow, if that, he was ahead of his time, too, by the way. But that's that's what we're hearing today. Yeah, yeah. In some worship. Yeah. I I remember I have a funny memory one time, many, many years ago, we had a worship leader who, you know, he'd have all the songs in the files, and he'd have them alphabetized, you know, on a letter. And uh, he came to practice one night, and he said, you know what the biggest file is upstairs of songs? And we said, no, what? And he said, the letter I. More songs in that folder started with I. I do this, I do that, I want this, I, 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 I. And we all, we laughed because why would he even 
do a report like that. But it was a sobering thought, and I never forgot that yeah. because, um, you know, one of my favorite hymns is Holy, 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 you know, God yeah. in three persons, blessed Trinity. Mm. What the beautiful lyrics that just cause you to worship in spirit and in truth, and you can't do that if there's no truth. Yeah, you know, Mayor, I, I just want to jump on that, because one of the things Dave would say over and over again, it isn't just a matter of the self-orientation that we see, but the question is, is it teaching sound doctrine? Mm-hmm. Now, what you just what you just repeated there was sound doctrine. It tells us about, you know, our God. It tells us about, you know, it reflects the scriptures and the instructions of the scriptures and so on. It is sound doctrine, which brings us back to Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Right, and these songs should should take us out of ourselves and help us see something bigger than us. You know, again, that same song, All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're singing about something greater than ourselves. We can forget about ourselves right. and actually worship with our whole being. But if a song is a mile wide and an inch deep, we are not entering into worship. I don't believe. That's my two cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, how much time do we have left? Uh, five, I, I... five minutes in this segment. Okay. Um, you know, and maybe we can end with this um, if this this next segment isn't the time. But I, I want to get back to the last part of Second uh, Timothy, sure. uh, chapter four, verse four. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, mm. and shall be turned unto fables. And David, you quoted that, and and you had myths. Mm-hmm. Same deal, yes. myths, fables. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether we deal with it now or or later. I couldn't describe uh, the chosen in any more clear terms. We're mm-hmm. talking fables. We're talking myths that have replaced the Word of God. Mm-hmm. For many true believers, as well as professing believers, as well as those who are just buying into movies. And you guys know that's that was my background before I became a believer. Mm-hmm. Well, you did a presentation recently called The Visual, Visual Idolatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a right. chance to watch part of that. And it's on available on your website. Um, fables. Yet we have to remind ourselves that even Christian movies are a form of entertainment. Uh, they may be biblical to some degree, some more than others. But we will do a show on the chosen a little down the road, and, and uh, it's so hugely popular. Is just as long as our audience understands that approximately eighty-five percent of what is being portrayed does not come from Scripture. It's not quoted from Scripture because you can't possibly, you don't have that much information. You can't quote Jesus for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of use your imagination and use the, obviously the, the tool we have to make movies and make television shows to, you know, describe something. So we have to just understand that we're not beating up every intention, but there are many concerns beyond the fact that they take artistic license or liberties there's the uh, Mormon connection, and you know we can talk about that another time. But just maybe you can follow up or just give your final thoughts on that before we move on. Okay. Well, first of all, you know when you mention movies, Christian movies, and so on, you know as I said, I, I spent more than a dozen years as a screenwriter in Hollywood, and uh, so I, I'm a I'm a you know professional critic of movies. I don't care you know what they are, where where they come from. You know if I decide to go to one, I'm going to take it apart because that's my training. That's 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 what I was involved in. So I I very rarely you know watch so-called well not so-called Christian Christian movies. That is movies with a Christian concept or mm-hmm. intent. My issue is with translating the Bible 
translating the Bible visually. Yes. Can't be done. Mm-hmm. Can't be right. done right. without adding to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then Scripture condemns that. We're, uh, you know, it condemns that. We're not to add and or take anything away from the Word of God. Secondly, when you are putting together or trying to translate the Bible visually, well, we talked earlier about Bible translations, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be the message or other Bibles out there, but this is far worse. This is taking, um, you know, what is in the heart and mind of a screenwriter, and he is translating the Bible, again, visually for you. It can't be done. Um, I got into, <laughs> I have a way of coming up with analogies that kind of get me in trouble. <laughs> because somebody would say, well, if you were casting Jesus in the Chosen, who would you pick? And I, I didn't want to go along with that, but I said, okay, you open the door for me. I said, well, my first choice would be Danny DeVito. <laughs> wow. You had people just going nuts. You, you've got to be, you know. But, but, but. I say, hold on a second. Who would you select? James Caviezel? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the guy that they have in The Chosen. Um, who's going to play the God man? Mm. You know, and it's going to yeah. be a fake God man. It's going to be an actor trying to uh, present, you know, qualities and aspects that he could never, ever do. So from the get-go, it's it's wrong. It's contrary to the Word of God. But then it gets worse from that. Mm. You know, as you mentioned, um, Dallas Jenkins, the the writer-director of many of the, the chosen episodes, um, you know, he, he says right off, well, no, this is, these are backstories. These are stories that he came up with or that somebody else came up with, whoever's writing there. Mm. Point being, it is a, it, it's a, 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 a presentation that's man make up, men mm. make up. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you know, I mean, from that standpoint, and my, see, here's the problem. As, as a, a dozen years as a screenwriter in Hollywood, I learned what to do. And that is, I'm going to control the emotions of the audience. I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to make them cry. You know, whatever it is, because the the goal is box office. The goal is to keep them attuned to what you're presenting out there. Yeah. It's it's almost always emotional. I mean, look, I admit, way back when, I I shed a tear at at Bambi. Now wait a minute, Tom. That's an animated film. What are you talking about? Because it is the medium is powerful when it comes to affecting your emotions. Amen. And and that's what the church does today. Sometimes when we try to put on a show before church with worship music and dry ice, whatever fog machines and the light show or the video, you know, we've got to be very be careful. I think we should, Mayor. When we come back, we should get back to Acts two forty two. And mention that. I mean, just some foundational things. And we are going to define doctrine. We've talked a lot about sound doctrine. We'll just really go to Got Questions and talk about what is doctrine. Our guest, T.A. McMahon, the Brian Call, when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is T.A. McMahon, President and Executive Director of the Berean Call Ministry. That's thebereancall.org. What is doctrine, which it simply means instruction? It's teaching imparted by an authoritative source. The Bible calls it profitable the Word of God, uh, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. And what is 1 Timothy? Paul warns at 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. So biblical doctrine helps us understand the will of God for our lives, the character of God, uh, the path of salvation, instruction for the church, God's standard of holiness, and so much more. So doctrine is the worldview by which we govern our lives. Add whatever you would like to uh, to benefit our listeners, T.A. Well, that's that's so important because, it again, it's God's Word. We either have God's Word or we don't. We have what men have added to it, what they're making up, what they're massaging around, what they're feeling about, all, all the above. So doctrine, as you said, it's just God's teaching. It's His Word. It's His truth. And to the degree that we slip away from that, you know, I'll use an analogy in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2. Remember, um, the Lord, he, as the head of the church, is speaking to the church, and he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And what does he say? He said, look, you're doing a lot of really good things. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing this and you're doing that. But I hold this against you. You have left your first love. Mm-hmm. In other words, all their works, all the things that they're doing, all their, call it, you know, quote-unquote Christianity, it's without the love of Christ. We, they have drifted away from it. And anything that we do that's not in the love of God, you know, is of no value. It can be destructive, but it also can mean nothing for us eternally in terms of the Lord, you know, the Lord rewarding us for that. No, if, if I'm doing it for self, and it's not lo- my, it's my love of me. I mean, I tell people, one of my big problems is more often than not, I love me more than I love Jesus. Mm. Now, hopefully, by the grace of God and by the prayers and all of that and by my walk with the Lord, <clears throat> I'm getting to love him more than me. Mm. But let me tell you, I have this old nature, and it's a struggle. It, it, it is. So, you know, going back to it, doctrine <clears throat> is simply God's instruction to us. He's not only given us his instruction, but He's if we're born again, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, um, then the case is that the, he'll be, we'll be fruitful and productive, not by might nor by power, but by his Spirit. And mm. that's where we all need to be. That's where I need yeah. to be. Amen. Yeah. And people need to understand sound doctrine because they can't... Um they won't know the false unless they know the true first. And First uh, Timothy 6 also says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands mm-hmm. nothing. And I think of I think of the health and wealth, you know, prosperity gospel. Counterfeits. You know? Yeah, they're just making it up as they go. And it really yeah. is about them and what, what they have and, you know, <sighs> what they want you to have, which is basically what they want to have. And, you know, and so it says that they're conceited and they understand nothing. And I know fables there is also translated narrative. What did the emergent church call everything they ever taught? It was a narrative or conversation. Yeah. A conversation. Let's just have a conversation. Did yeah. God really say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's just God have really a, said. Yeah, yeah, let's just have a conversation. Yeah. Hey, but, but wait a minute. Go ahead. Let me add a <laughs> new term to you guys, for you guys. And What's you know that? it. What's that? It, it, well, never mind what the Bible says. Here's the backstory. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> backstory. Oh, man. What? That's enough to make you cringe. Yeah, Isn't that does. a Hollywood-inspired uh, term? What's the background What's the, on this character? What's the backstory the on this? Let's hear the prequel. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, T.A., I want to get back to something you said in uh, Revelation 2, the message to Ephesus. I remember doing a study on this a couple of years ago, and I, I looked up online. You can see the ruins of Ephesus. You can look up and see all these different rock formations and what's left of it. And it's fascinating that in verse 5, 
Revelation 2, uh, he, they're warned, do the deeds you did at fir- first or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So obviously the lampstand, I would just love your you know, take on that because I see that as that was their place. The lamp gives light. It's their influence as a church. It's the gospel. It gives light to the people. And here it was removed, and you can see the ruins today. Yeah. Well, all the churches, you know, the seven churches that are mentioned, are, they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're gone. But nevertheless, the teaching is to me is really it gives us great insight. Uh, for example, some people say, well, you know, when you look at these seven churches, you could go down through the history of the church and you can begin to see these things develop and, and go. But as you pull back, you can find all of these issues, including the, the, the churches that, that uh, Jesus condones, um, they're across the board. We have some churches that have more of the, the Laodicean church. We have, well, I mean, Laodicean church, that would be, many would say, that is the apostasy. That is the last day's church and so on. But, but some churches may have a part of that. They may have a part of this aspect, yep. you know, a correction that Jesus is giving to to one or, or other one of the other uh, other churches. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, they're, yeah, they're gone. But in a sense, no, they're just spread out throughout Christendom. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, as I said, you know, I, I, I pretty, pretty much because I've for 40 years, I've been looking at the apostasy. Yeah. That's not the only thing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, well, I never thought but, it would get this bad. I mean, I look at what's out there and it never occurred to me that the church, we'd still be here to see such a, a total falling away of common sense. I, and you know what, um, Laodicea means justice of the people. So when you think about the social justice movement, what an incredible prophecy. And also we want what we want. What do you want to see in a church? Well, I don't know what, what in telling the pastor with a calling on his life, what they want to see in a church. That was the beginning of the end as far as the seek, you know, with the hmm. seeker sensitive that just opened the floodgates yeah. to well, the church growth movement. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And all that is turning from, uh, you know, turning from not just the Word of God, but it's turning from the head of the church. Mm-hmm. Now somebody has usurped, you know, who Jesus is and, and how we're supposed to respond to him. And and there we go. It, it, it can, it, it, well, number one, we know there's not going to be worldwide revival. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's really clear. Now, that's not to say that there can't be uh, pockets of revival among churches. That's right. yeah. Um, and, you know, and we're thrilled about that. But nevertheless, to think that, uh, well, let me go back to, because, Mary, you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the church uh, in terms of the word faith, the prosperity guys, and so on. You know, if you think about that, and I've studied that for, for, for a long time, as much as I could stand it, okay. <laughs> but, but what I've come to recognize is, it isn't just, see, some people write these people off, the word phase, prosperity guys, and so on. It's just quacks and just guys who are doing their own thing. Well, they are. But here's the issue. They have destroyed faith, the faith, once and for all delivered unto the saints. In other words, their concept, their bogus concept of what faith is about has destroyed, uh, for many people, what faith is. Mm. And it's not... On our shoulders, it's the faith, or it's it's the, it's doing what the Word of God says, submitting to Him as the head mm-hmm. of the church. So you know, I mean, it, my heart breaks. I, I, I remember I used to turn on um, 
Kenneth Copeland or Hagen or some of these guys, yeah. there'd be 10,000 in there, you know, the uh, people that they're speaking to. And I'm thinking, Lord, these can't all be yeah. non-believers. The conventions. Well, I don't know their hearts, but I do know this, that those people are being led down a primrose path. They're taken away from the very thing that they need to understand yes. in order to be saved. Yeah. And that is faith. Yeah. Faith that's- in him. Right, and that's why the Bible calls it perverse things, wolves speaking perverse things and drawing people unto themselves. And I think, uh, do these people really all believe what these men are saying? Well, I fell for that. I was, hey, I went to a convention in Texas Mm. when I was living in Southern California. I went to the Believers Convention in 1988, I think. Mm. Kenneth Copeland, because I started coming, when I rededicated my life to the Lord and got saved, um, I first started with pos- positive thinking, possibility thinking. The Norman Vincent Peale, yeah. Robert Schuller, Anthony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, oh. all of these guys. I was listening because it, it sounded good. It really tickled it, it tickled my ears. And then I went to that Copeland convention. I was in the word faith, and that didn't last very long. Cause I just really thank God he pulled me out of that, showing me there yeah. was not much depth to it, and it just wasn't biblical. The more I studied the Bible, I couldn't really see how – that they could defend that. So I'm so thankful. But I want to go back and get your take, T.A. We just got five minutes left. But just touching on what happened within the American church, the context here uh, with the seminaries, CEO pastors following the business model, uh, which is what they teach in some seminaries, and the topical sermonettes as opposed to the verse-by-verse teachings that is most beneficial and equips the saints. So if you can, I know we could do a whole podcast on what I just asked you, but if you can just give, you know, your thoughts on those things. Yeah. Well, we offer a book. Uh, Thank you. Because (laughs) there's your answer. (laughs) Somebody sent me this book um, years and years ago. And of course, if you ever see my office, it's like piles of stuff and so on. And if something gets on a pile and then gets to the bottom of the pile, forget it. Anyway, so this book was called Christianity and Anti-Christianity in Their Final Conflict. And um, so I picked up the book, and it was, well, first of all, it was written 120 years ago. Mm. So I figured, no, if I, I, I love this book. It's incredible. But So we had to republish it, reprint it, and so on. Well, Christianity and Anti-Christianity, the guy that wrote it, Samuel Andrews, just read the book of Revelation, read Second uh, Peter, read some of the epistles, read the book of Daniel, and then he said, I wonder if anything that the, that's being talked about in Scripture is is coming is about in my day, in my time. So again, 120 years ago. Wow. You guys read this book, it sounds like it was written yesterday. Mm. But here's what, here's what I'm coming back to, David. Um, the, uh, the people that he dealt with first, looking around for, um, for what was reflected, or, you know, what was talked about in Revelation and, and the other scriptures, uh, he went after the philosophers, Spinoza, mm. uh, you know, all of these guys who were greatly influential but not among the common people. So it was among the intellects and so on. And all of these philosophers were antichrist to the max. Now, what happened was, as they began to promote this stuff, then it went to the newspapers. Then it went to, in other words, it trickled down to the common man. And all the things that we're talking about now reflect that slipping away, that Mm. that turning away from, from the Word of God. Some very specific, and some you say, oh, wait a minute, there's mysticism, there's Gnosticism, there's, you know, all of these things that we can see cropping up today. Because, you know, 
Satan's got his game plan. He's got all kinds of devices and so on. Rarely does he change them. He may modify them, you know, for the, the, the condition of it. But the point being is that, so then the seminaries get into it, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Dave used to call it, uh, not that there may not be, uh, you know, some out there that, that are trying to hang in there with the Word of God, but they're cemeteries, okay? Um, you got to correct, you know, they, have, they would have to correct most of what they what they've learned at seminary. And, you know, I'll stand by that. And if somebody wants to argue with me, I find, let's go to psychology. Mm, okay. yeah. <laughs> Psychotherapy, all, all the above. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's where it happens. And remember, you know, the reason I mentioned that book is because it shows you a convergence mm. heading to where? Mm-hmm. To the kingdom and the religion of the Antichrist. Christianity and anti-Christianity in their final conflict. Wow. And it's all going that way. And, you know, there's not going to, as I said before, there's not going to be worldwide revival. There's not going to be any. This is this is where it's going. It's what it's doing. The only thing that's stunning, uh, mind-boggling to me, is that how incredibly irrational, how incredibly bizarre, you know, what's going on in the world today. Yes, delusion. You know, I, mm-hmm. yes. Well, I'm, 70, I'm 78, and it, when my memory can go back, well, I can go back to my youth and so on. It's like night and day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah. grew up Roman Catholic, and at least there was a, even though it was a false gospel, there was at least a sense of integrity, and not integrity, that's probably not the right word, but of doing things right, of doing things that, that were other-directed to a degree. And it was all work salvation, but nevertheless, you can't find that today. Yeah. It's not there. We're going to have to pause right there, and I, I will just say, Mayor, to be continued with T.A. McMahon of the Berean Call. <laughs> thank you for your time, brother. God yeah, bless you. you. We so appreciate much. it. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, have less. All right, coming up on Monday, Trevor Loudon. He's got a list list of Reds, communists. That's right in government. We're going to talk about that. Also, Holly Pivik will be with us on Tuesday. Her new book is called Counterfeit Kingdom, and we've got uh, Gary Koss scheduled for Wednesday. And Cheryl Chumley, we'll hear a replay of her from the Washington Times. And M.D. Perkins, I can't wait to talk to him from American Family Association and his uh, great book. Uh, on gay Christianity, but God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.